listen to hair on. From hair on, I'm listening to hair on. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Cree Robertson, alongside my sound man, extraordinary Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we in the house for episode 120. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome back, Tyler. What up, guys? What's going on? Good yes. to be back. Thank you for joining us. We have a fun conversation ahead of us with uh, our movie discussion. We uh, sat down earlier and watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, did you get to see it, Rico? No, I didn't. All right, so little... we'll open up. Did you watch anything else? No, no. I've been playing mostly uh, God of War this weekend. I was Valkyrie hunting, so that's what's up. I All right, Valkyrie um... hunting. <laughs> it's been a. It sounds like a noble endeavor. So I'm not gonna hate. <laughs> it's like it. It is actually. You know what I mean? The the Helheim is being overrun by the dead, and I gotta free the Valkyrie soul so they can get back to work. You know what I'm saying it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. It's an age nice. old story, bro. <laughs> and actually not for nothing. To the best of that us. story has been retold in many, many games. I mean, That's the one. I, any game that has a Norse mythology <laughs> that includes Valkyrie at some point, you gotta get the Valkyries back to shepherding the dead. Yeah, that man. is the most critical and pivotal role. <laughs> I mean, because Odin's always up the fuckery, man. I know that niggas never yo, that nigga's never there to do his job. And hell is o- <laughs> hell is just sitting there waiting. Just sitting there waiting, like, bitch, come up here and come get these niggas. <laughs> it's just like flooded with people and shit. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Help me. That's like, what's up. Don't talk to me. I'm still alive. <laughs> So yeah, we sat down. We watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, do you, do you want to open up and give your your initial impressions? Yeah, well, I mean, it can be a lot to unpack. I mean, and it also could not be. Right? Uh, we just watched it, so I guess this is right off the top. We didn't talk it's too fresh. much about it afterwards. Yeah, it fresh. is fresh. But you know, I like the cinematography of it. Um, yes. I guess our our main topics. Let's starting with the name itself. Well, Judas we'll and the Black we like Priest. The movie. Did you enjoy yeah. the movie? I did like it. Yes, okay. I did like it. I yeah. found I, I found that the drama of the movie was entertaining. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. a lot of good performances. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember her name off the top, but my personally favorite character was the uh, Judy. The female is that her name? The, the female black Judy Panther? was her name in there. Yeah, Judy was the shit. Yeah, she was hard <laughs> as fucking nails. Yo, yeah. my girl was yo. Discipline and, and see that's one thing that I always respected about the whole uh mythos of the Black Panthers is yeah. that there is a huge call for discipline. Yeah. And yes, you do see a couple of times in the movie where it's perverted, but for the most part, especially Fred's view of it, the discipline was meant for the betterment of, of the individual. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I really loved Judy. Judy for that. She was hugely disciplined. Like yeah. she Dominique Thorne is her name. Dominique Thorne. Actress. And Dominique Fishback gave a great performance too as Fred yeah. Hampton's uh love interest. Yeah. yeah. Bro. She had one scene that kind of threw me off. I didn't exactly understand it, but I I think she acted well and was directed poorly because the scene was set up poorly. But mm-hmm. overall her performance was amazing, yo. Dominique did a really great performance, and she I love it, man. Her first introduction is her spitting some knowledge to Fred, too. Yeah. Talking about use your words wisely. Like, you might focus on action, but don't downplay words because you're out here using words to 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 affect people. Yeah. And if you're gonna do that, you should choose them wisely, just like you would any action. Yeah. Um uh interesting, Dominique Thorne is is um confirmed to be playing Ironheart in um as Riri Williams in the upcoming what? MCU. That's fucking awesome. So, yeah, I'm a like, big fan of Riri Williams. What is all that? What is that? Riri Williams is the character that takes over the Iron Man role after Tony Stark dies. Oh, okay, wow. And she's a kid genius who builds herself an Iron Man suit. Hmm. Tony Stark gets uh interest in her and sends her a Jarvis companion to teach her how to be a super genius. Oh. Shit is badass. Yeah, Riri Williams. And this and is from the comics or this is new? This is comics. Yeah. I wow. mean, it's also, she's relatively new. I think Riri Williams, the character, Ooh, is probably she's less at least than five. 10 years old. Okay, less yeah. than 10 years. Okay, when you say new, I was like, 
she definitely like six years old. But yeah, yeah. I guess as far it's still as comics, relative, yeah, <laughs> people have been around since like the seventies, eighties. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Sometime. Jonathan Hickman has these these storylines turning over a lot faster. Like, nice. I think that they're like. You're new for like six months now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, but but you're talking about days that's when only if you it would take a that's year to run the time though. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you could be, they got new characters popping up every day in <laughs> yeah. comics, whether or not they talk. You'd about be surprised. Marvel is a pretty contained universe, and I think that that's what they they were attempting to do when um they did the House of M mm-hmm. uh, storyline. They were attempting to limit the Marvel universe because there's yeah, not a lot of they're reusing down. a lot of older characters, but there's not a lot of new people popping up in the Marvel universe. But nonetheless, that's a complete diversion. <laughs> Dominique Fishback gave a great performance. Um, Lakeith Stanfield did a great performance, and I love the story behind what happened with him because he, I think, originally wanted to play Fred Hampton, and mm. that's what he uh, auditioned for. Yeah, but then when he got his role, it came back as Bill O'Neill. And Bill even though he did not want to play the snitch, he uh, he has a a, a personal uh, goal or or just uh, principle that he doesn't turn down challenges. Yeah, and yeah. so he saw this as a worthy challenge, and so he took it anyway, despite this being a, a pretty. It's a fucked up role. Yeah, it is. And after watching what what how it went down and. For the most part, the way that was represented, maybe the inter the interpersonal interactions were probably dramatized, but the way it went down was pretty much exactly that. Yeah. He got picked up on some car burglary shit. Mm-hmm. To avoid jail time, he accepted the the uh the informant role. informant role. Yeah. And then got, you know, so deep in that mm. he was, you know, considered head of security. Like that's a really yeah. high end position in the uh in the organization yeah um but nonetheless you know he didn't want to play that role but he accepted the challenge and so i respect that because i thought it was a pretty tough role to take on like i was like man who is going to take on this role and then afterwards realizing like oh this is actually the main character of the movie because spoiler alert the reason why it's called judas and the black messiah (laughs) and not the black messiah and judas it's because Judas is the main character. Yeah. You can furthermore solidify that because who is the first person you see in the movie? Bill O'Neill. So it's kind of like like narratively, uh, exposition-wise, it was, it was a movie about the snitch. Yeah. And then I find out later on that even though Ryan Coogler directed it, it was written, the screenplay was written by a white guy. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because I just can't imagine very many black people writing, like, writing that story from the position of the snitch in juxtaposition to Fred Hampton. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's that, it's not that black people don't write stories about snitches. It's just that next to someone like Fred Hampton, that's really taboo. Because I'm assuming that once you, once you, real, once you realize... Like, first of all, you probably know who Fred Hampton is if you're writing a story about him. Or even if you're given the assignment, you look up Fred Hampton and you realize, like, okay, this was a special person. You know what I mean? Most black black people aren't going to, especially because if you look at him directly, like, based on the interviews and videos of him speaking, I, and that's your account of the character, it's hard to villainize him. It's really hard to vilify him. And then you find out, oh, he was 21 years old when they shot him dead in his bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, it's really hard to take that story and think that the the person who snitched on the organization is the one that this should be centered around. And yeah. so that was something that kind of stood out very prominently to me from, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that is, despite all of the amazing performances... As I said, Danny Kaluuya put put forth a great performance. It should have just been called Black Departed. Honestly, (laughs) with the popularity of things, of putting black in front of things, just call it Black Departed, and it's a better movie, in my opinion. I like it. Honestly, it's a better movie. Like, I genuinely think it's a better movie if you don't call this a Fred Hampton story. Um, Talking about... What, yeah, you, what, yeah, you're, yeah, no. what you're saying too is like it's called we, Black Scorsese movie. <laughs> I'm sure he won't mind it all. Yeah, we cool like that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we were referencing even like, okay, how much do you know about this, this, uh, the events? The less even, you know about him, the more entertaining. How, how much the do you know about sure. them before seeing it, right? So, yeah, in my, from my own personal perspective, it's mostly through Black Panther, like documentaries, whether it's History Channel or like PBS. You know, you I've gotta seen, watch the Eye on the I've Prize interviews with Bill O'Neill. That's just okay. crazy. Yeah, yeah, but so you know, I'm not like I said, vaguely familiar with who he specifically is, mm-hmm. and that's why we pointed out throughout the movie then that while he's he's playing a good character it's not it's not accurate per se to who fred hampton's character actually was who his person it was wasn't because it, you could tell that he uh that daniel kaluuya's only experience with the character was through videotapes of yeah. him in, in his activism yeah and not him in his private life and it wasn't through recounts of people who knew him in his private life mm-hmm. because if it it takes a very cursory uh uh investigation of his past to realize like Oh, one of the things that people loved about Fred Hampton is that it's outside of those videotapes, which were particularly taken of him when he was at his most fervish state, yeah. because they were trying to frame him as that <laughs> angry black man. Yeah. Outside of that, he was actually a really nice guy. And mm-hmm. most people knew him for his amazing smile. Yeah. And that was Fred Hampton's, like, most people who met him were like, yo, this nigga's dimples are out of control. This nigga's... <laughs> He smiles after every sentence, and this nigga's got mega fucking dimples. Like, this nigga's yeah. a fucking killer. That's Lady fine. killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was most people's impression of him. Yeah. Not the ultra-militant, even though yeah. if you isolate all just the times in which he talks about black struggle and the fight against white supremacy and the unification of all poor people against capitalist struggle, then, yeah, if you only view him through that lens, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're that he's you're not gonna get the whole he was actually a really super nice guy. Yeah. That's you know that's what I mean? Though. Like it's good to and, know. And, that. and the it's thing is, is like you out. gotta be a super really nice guy to start a breakfast for a free breakfast program. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, how many super really shitty guys do you know go out and start a free breakfast program? And that's my to question. Get specific, was that let's say because okay, with this originating in Oakland, right? And no, he no, no, was no. he was in uh Detroit. No, okay. No, in Illinois, Black, right? Yeah. Black Panthers was a national organization. Exactly. And that was one of the points he was making when he was trying to So to that was done nationally with. though. And was he the originator no, 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 no. of that he was he was the originator of the one in Detroit. There you go. Okay. Every Black Panther chapter did that in their respective cities. There you go. He was okay. talking about just his and, and contribution. So for him doing those, and not just was, his contribution. The contribution he organized with the Panthers, because there was a lot of people who contributed to the free breakfast program in Detroit. Were those common throughout the whole, all of them? Yes, every chapter had that. Yeah, they, okay. That was That's a core I, tenet, was that if go. we can't feed our people, we can't ask them to be revolutionary. Nice. And so, yeah, that was part of their their doctrine. Okay. But, um, yeah, and, and you know, I heard a lot of leftists bashing this movie because of whatever reasons because honestly i didn't see any of them to bear out like people were saying like oh it didn't represent his revolutionary politics and i was like well first of all it's a hollywood movie so you have to look at it with a with with some perspective and the whole movie was not going to be about his revolutionary politics yeah we're not going to get a fred hampton movie (laughs) yeah that's not what we were going to get because let me tell you you could make a movie about the Fred Hampton from 15 to 20, and boy, would that be a fucking movie. But that's not what we're going to get. From Hollywood. From Hollywood. And so, from Hollywood, the fact that they touched at all on his revolutionary politics, I think, was was, uh, kind of a a, a toss-out to us. And the fact that they actually did it, to some degree, like, they had serious, I wouldn't say serious discussions, but they made points about the capitalist oppression and how it is the capitalist system that oppress all that oppresses all of us. Yeah. Like Fred Hampton wants to fight against racism, yes, but the greater struggle is the economic system that puts all of us at the bottom with no resources for no reason yeah. because there's more than enough resources for us to have it as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that we got any of that I think was was good. Yeah. And we did get some of that. You know, not an overabundance of it, but we got some of that. Yeah. And so I felt sated in that respect. Um, but yeah, you know, th- there were a couple of other things, other, you know, casting choices that I thought were kind of mm, meh. But overall, it was a well-shot, well-produced movie. <laughs> it, it's You would expect nothing less from Ryan Coogler. You know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah, that And that's why I kind of, I'm kind of worried that... 
because there's rich white people behind it, they were able to get all the right black faces in front of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm glad that they did because they at least made sure that the representation was uh, responsible and reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same token, it wasn't designed for black liberation. You know what I mean? Because that would have to come from the core, the conception. And we know that that wasn't the case. Yeah. And so, and, and I only say that because of the subject matter, Fred Hampton. Now, mind you, yes, this was not a movie about Fred Hampton. This was a movie about Bill O'Neill. Yeah, and again, going back and to And of that, course, Bill O'Neill is not famous without Fred Hampton. And so, of course, yeah. they had to cover Fred Hampton. Yeah, and you mentioned like humanize, the humanizing aspect. And I didn't really see that too much. They all look like shitbags to me, that, but that yeah, was just they, me. They still do. When I say like, they all, I mean Bill O'Neill and the FBI agent and yeah. Hoover and all of the, the, the behind-the-scenes so people. We were still the Black able Panthers, to I thought, were represented that, pretty well. Yeah, they look like assholes pretty much, Whether, regardless of if they're kind of saying that Judas and the uh, Judas putting Judas first as if it's really supposed to be about him still comes across as and again like I was saying it's sort of inevitable you have organizations like this you're gonna have people infiltrating them you know nobody's gonna look like you or what do we do with snitches and how do people generally think about them it's not gonna be thought of in a good way so yeah yeah I, I, I feel the like they didn't really they didn't buck well. that like he looked I, I think he looked bad like he played it the, real well he, yeah he gave a great performance but yeah. throughout that great performance he was doing shitty shit yeah. and looking like a shit back yeah, like mean, <laughs> it's right there in the title Judas <laughs> but, uh, absolutely that's what I'm saying like, Judas that's, ain't and never I'm not gonna look him. good unless that's exactly you know, why I'm mad at him for that you're a fan of Judas Judas <laughs> never looks good you're true ignorant, exactly ignorant you, to, you know? the, to the situation but yeah, I just I just wish they didn't bill it as a Fred Hampton movie. Um, it's a good standalone movie, a lot of great performances. But um, Black Departed, Black Departed all day. <laughs> Let's call it that. It's Black a, Departed or Black Scorsese movie for copyright reasons. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we can't Black be, not departed. There you go. Black not depart. Mm-hmm. Does that work? <laughs> Does that evade the copyright? Can we just put of, not yeah, in front of I it? mean, they didn't. This is not a flamethrower, and they made a flamethrower <laughs> flame and called it not a flamethrower or some shit like that. Yeah, that's legal that. to sell. Yeah, but Elon <laughs> is white and powerful. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> we are not afforded the same privileges. What, what are you saying? Yeah, if you don't but, have enough money to scare people out of dragging you into court, then you know, man. They'll just drag you to court if it's easy for them. But when you got Elon Musk, if I have like, enough yeah, money to buy your courthouse, you can't Pretty sue much, me. Yeah, he's like, eh, you can't sue it. me. I can buy your courthouse and then just close it. But <laughs> <laughs> flaming toy. But yeah, no, nah, that's crazy. But no, uh, overall, I would say um, check out the movie, but do not use it as a historical reference. Yeah, let it pique your curiosity and then look up real historical references. Yeah. And I did mention, uh, hopefully, that's what can come from stuff like this too, right? But yeah, then because you go I, look YouTube uh, and see what some old footage and we'll pull up some old tons of old footage, of learn some things. But that's the conversation that I heard was people were having. Like some people were saying, like, oh, so if it doesn't represent his revolutionary politics throughout, does that mean that this is somewhat counter-revolutionary in that it is? humanizing the 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 element the negative element of the scenario and i didn't personally see that after watching the movie i understand why somebody would ask that it's a valid question but i did not see that to be the case um and then i the counter to that that i heard discussed was no actually in portraying fred hampton as positively as they did it's actually counterinsurgency to the idea that they are attempting to, in general mass media, villainize black revolutionaries. And this is uh, entertainment uh, media that is not villainizing the black revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that actually, I, I find I find it to be more on that level. Because if they really didn't, they, they really didn't have to talk about all of the, uh, make all of the... Uh, uh, insinuations towards anti-capitalism and unification of the poor class throughout race. They didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't necessary. But I feel like if you were trying to actually 
create a real narrative around this, a real counterinsurgency narrative to 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 say that this was some, a revolutionary who is actually trying to unite people, then then you have a good reason to show those perspectives, and they did that. So I, I while I do believe overall, I didn't enjoy the uh, the endeavor of creating a movie about a snitch. I did enjoy a lot of the dramatic elements and the performances of the movie for sure. <laughs> so that's a go people will help you guys you should check it out it's worth at least checking out tonight and it's yeah, available if you got HBO max, it's worth a watch gonna say, yeah, what's the availabilities hbo max yeah no it was definitely a, a worthwhile endeavor for the two hours at the end i and and i don't if you don't know the story of fred hampton they shoot him to death at the end so when i when i say at the end when they go into the shooting part that's kind of where i checked out of the movie um, that was an extremely uncomfortable thing to watch reenacted, um, especially because they, the cinematography was good, so it was very visceral, and I just wasn't interested in seeing that. Like that part, kind of that. That's where the, the, that I didn't enjoy that part of the movie, but I'm sure that that needed to be there for some people, um, just to give finality to the story. But yeah, I never want to see a reenactment of a 21 year old uh getting gunned down sorry even if it's in in a in a movie unfortunately because typically if it's a fictional movie i could chill and just suspend disbelief but i know that that really happened to someone so meh and and in my opinion i think it would have been a better director flair to not viscerally show that part it wasn't necessary it's because and then this is something I always have a problem with is when you show black pain on the screen, a lot of times because the majority of people viewing it are white, it becomes racism porn. Racist to watch that part and like that part. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and so let's just not waste our time creating that for them. You know what I mean? Not when we all knew it's not a fictional thing where we have to show what happened to them. We know what happened to Fred Hampton. I think everyone who is sitting here and anyone who looks it up knows what happened to Fred Hampton. Yeah. You don't got to show him getting shot. <laughs> we all know what happened. And so I feel, I feel like it would have been a, a better artistic uh, direction. And there are more minimal ways to, to show it. To and, and, and you know it. what I mean? Yeah. To, to go about that situation. Yeah, and again, you never know. I mean, maybe he has his good reasons for him wanting to. It can be the counter argument there, but I, I do understand where you're coming from. Yeah. No, and 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 I can and and as I said that's my, and I explicitly wanted to point out it was my opinion yeah. because I don't want to hate on his choice. Hello, this 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 nigga got paid to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he got paid millions of dollars to do that. So, who am I to tell him that he did the wrong thing? Yeah. And that's also again like the deeper part of it like you say who is really ultimately making all these decisions. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't really want to do it like that and some other Ooh, people Well, that's a whole other conversation. Like, I'd exactly. love to sit down so, with Ryan Coogler and talk yeah, about that. So, you know, love yeah, to. That's, that's what's interesting too. Yeah, man. So Judas and the and the Black Messiah, there there was a lot to chew on there. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll head off into some some topics. Uh so uh in gaming news, did you hear that uh <laughs> Konami's analytics have come back so poorly that the company has actually decided to open up licensing its IPs to third parties because they've been notoriously bad about not doing Hell, that. They are notoriously time. bad about being. It, if I if I call them chintzy, is that is that racist? Uh, stingy. <laughs> They're notoriously stingy yeah. with with their uh, intellectual property. They do yeah. not license it to anybody. Wow. And so, for them to finally capitulate I to mean, the they license it to it Smash Brothers, but Smash Brothers is the exception to that rule. Yeah, uh, Smash Brothers. Everybody is huge. licenses their character to Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah Nintendo b- puts big bucks into licensing characters for Smash. Yeah, it's probably one of the only things they have to spend money on in that game. Honestly, I can imagine. Yeah, because it's just rebuilding on the engine yeah. you had prior and, yeah. and visual assets. But that's like yeah. honestly, that's not expensive anymore, yeah. and it's worth it. It's really cool. That game is still alive. Yeah. 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 Longevity. Iterations. Longevity? Yeah. yeah. 
She is wrong. But yeah, but that's, so, that's not all that surprising, actually. Because yeah. Konami's not really they banging out to. games like that. They yeah. had to. And, and the Konami ones that they were producing like were bad. Like, Metal Gear Solid Five did bad. Yeah, I haven't heard any super It did bad. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do bad with Metal Gear Solid? Oh, Death Stranding was Konami as well, right? That's Kojima? Oh, but Death Stranding was good. Death Stranding okay. was good, but Death Stranding was niche as fuck. And yeah, 90, I, I, that's most still not gamers a good ratio, won't play though. Death Stranding. Like, <laughs> Death Stranding, you could, if you're really, really, really interested, you could probably get hooked on the game mechanics for maybe five hours, and you gotta love it to stay for more than that. (laughs) You really do. You really do. And so, yeah, while it was a good game, it's niche for sure. Yeah. Um, The idea of just the amount of mechanics that are involved with you walking is crazy. (laughs) crazy so there's that um but yeah that means that we'll finally get real game development studios on metal gear solid um and there's a contra wow that's the name i haven't heard i know but come on man contra is was was a was an ip that had it just didn't keep up with the with the generations of of games that came after it you know what I mean? Like Castlevania was a similar side-scrolling 2D game that evolved as games got more, you know, uh, more resources to mm-hmm. to to play with. Yeah, Contra didn't, and why? Because Konami had access to that shit. So why wouldn't they just? You know what I mean? Like they're just inept when it comes to certain things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. If, I think it's because Konami had a major uh, organizational shift. After so, you know what I mean. I think that they had a huge shift in their um, administration, and so it had knock-on ramifications with how they conducted their game studios, and their game studios did not uh, fare well in that environment. Um, if I believe, if, if I remember correctly, yeah. th- there was a there was a, a shift in their in their uh, administration, but it doesn't seem to have boded well. Because all the the only thing they've been able to do is put their IP on pachinko machines. It's the only thing they've been able to produce. Pachinko machines with Resident Evil on it and fucking Silent Hill pachinko machines. That shit is crazy. Wow. It's pretty bad. It's like it's I haven't heard the name Konami in a while. You know, I know it's classic, they make classic shit from back in the day. But yeah, you know, I haven't heard shit about them lately. Well, yeah, it's because they, they kind of absconded with uh, all of their good IPs and decided, nah, we don't really want to do anything with them. Pretty yeah. much. They just, yeah. like, stopped making good... They stopped making games for a lot of their dope No, no, you're IPs. right. They stopped making they good games fast. because they put out Metal Gear 5 <laughs> and then they made Metal Gear Survive. Like, who the fuck wanted a, a zombie-themed Metal Gear game? No, like, what is wrong with these people? A... Just give us Gray Fox and let us run around slashing niggas up, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Apparently, they made a game called Revenger, uh, Metal Gear Revenger, too, and I was like... I don't know if that's um yeah it's not the strongest title there, but nah. But so hopefully with this we'll get some remake action of older games yeah. in their IPs. We'll get some new additions and some franchises. But it'll open up. Uh, it'll it'll give some breath to some uh franchises that have been very popular in the past. That I'm looking forward to see what happens with them because, you know, with some fresh creative juice behind them, I think these games could really be great in the new era. Into the PS5 era. So Konami, I think it's a well-timed at least. You know, it had to happen sometime. Better now than never. And uh, yeah, I look forward to see what comes out of them. Uh, or whatever third-party studios they, studios they part, partner with. But moving on from that. Uh, some entertainment. Well, there wasn't much going on. Uh, I was just... I've been going through my music a lot lately. And I've come to... To the conclusion that um, Run the Jewels and Earth Gang are probably the most prolific rap duos in the game right now. I don't, I, don't, I mean, I couldn't even probably name too many other uh, rap duos only because they take up so much air. Like, they produce a ton of great music. Yeah. I know you're from Atlanta, right, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah, Earth Gang, are they on your radar? Uh, you know, I hadn't even heard of Earth Gang to be honest. No, really? So, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, like I've always been. I've been familiar with Run the Jewels. Anytime I've heard their stuff, I have liked it. I've never dove into any of their discography though. Oh man, they're on so, Run the Jewels uh, four now, and that shit is 
bangers from one to four. Okay, yeah. Seriously, so like, you can grab any of their albums and start there. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, like, I'll get around to uh, listening to their stuff more in depth. Otherwise, even for just knowing Killer Mike for who he is and what he mm-hmm. does outside of music, too. Oh, LP. You know, LP is an amazing lyricist, amazing producer. Yeah. Um, you'll get consistency on all their albums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know what you're getting and, and, and it's very high, high end. Okay. And yeah. then to go to earth gang. So can you kind of, yeah, just what to tell us some, what do you know about them? So earth and gang, they are from I love Atlanta. earth gang. I'm a big earth gang fan. Yeah. And they're so from they're, Atlanta. They're too, Dream, right? Yeah. They're from yeah. Atlanta. They're signed to Dreamville. So they're under Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, they're associated with JID. They do a lot yeah. of music together with them. Yeah. Uh, with him and uh it's olu and i forgot his partner's name okay his, his partner has a they're very eccentric to say the name <laughs> yeah, to say the yeah, least yeah um between their style their, their aesthetic name. yeah um and even their their uh accepting of a wide range of of lifestyles and people and everything like yeah it's they they, they have a really great open welcoming uh persona about them um a lot of people like to make the the outcast uh uh comparison yeah. but even they don't like that comparison yeah, particularly necessary. like the yeah. outcast is a very unique exactly singular not necessary moment in time. to do a comparison there. and it, i think it's mostly because of andre 3000 and his very flamboyant aesthetic mm-hmm. and that they they draw a lot on that mm-hmm and, and that's kind of new age anyways yeah and, and so i think that i don't think that uh i don't think that it, it they're they are like the new outcast or anything yeah, yeah. of that nature they are earth gang they are doing what they do yeah. and i love their music they never they never uh their song structure is always very unique always different um their lyrics their their lyricists to the utmost mm-hmm. um I've heard uh, Olu's partner uh, rap in multiple languages before. Nice, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, my man is... Wild Great, a.k.a. Dr. Dot. What was his name? Wild Great. Wild Great? Wow. W-O-W-G-R, the letter, the number eight. Wild That's why Great. I don't know his name. Okay. Because yeah. I would never recognize that as a name if oh, I saw it. Wild Great, a.k.a. Dr. Dot. I can remember Dot. that, though. That's definitely memorable. Yeah. Wild Great. I, and I only know them as Earth Gang. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I love that, honestly. And that's not to disparage them as individuals. No, of course no, not. But, but together we do yeah. greater things. Yeah. And so they have created something amazing in Earth Gang. Yeah, the music cool. is off the chain. Um, I would definitely recommend um, This Side. Mm-hmm, this Side. Up. Um... They got a bunch of them. Um, they they These do are individual tracks. Tracks, yeah. yeah. They do they do music under the musical collective Spillage Village, okay, <laughs> which I thought was a cool name. Um, and so that that's always yeah. You can find a ton of stuff from them under that. Olu has a joint that he did with Toby Ngwegwe, which that is my shit, dude. Toby Toby consistently puts out fire. Like I love whenever my YouTube comes up with a new Toby track. Like Toby who? Toby Ngwegwe. Ngwegwe. Yeah. You have to help me spell that later. I think it's N N W G I G E. Gotcha. All right, cool. Yeah. Check them out. But um, yeah, I think that I mean, can we? Are the what other rap duos are there even out there? I was gonna say, right? I even feel like duo might be too specific in this current environment. Maybe to say groups, even. And then that okay. even from there, that's fair but I don't game, even think, right? Yeah, I can't even think of any trios that are really fucking with them. Cause yeah, it's like it's it's fucked up to me that Migos stand out too much just because they're such. But a I wouldn't group. even I would not put Migos no, cannot no, rap right. with this these guys. What, yeah, this is what I'm saying though, right? Just because but they're, Migos will turn up. They're they're, a they're a different. They're type clearly of, a group. Yeah. That's the whole thing, right? Well, and not so, for nothing. I'd be fucking. I fuck with a take take off um feature or <laughs> yeah. even an offset of course, feature. Not, I'm even not a Quavo feature. I think Quavo put out two of my favorite features of 2020. Nice. I'm saying that the point is, okay, yes, they're still are they they do their individual thing. They've been doing that for a while since they got mm-hmm. bigger. They still go back to their whole group thing. It's clear at this point to us how long they've been a group, their family, whatever, they're gonna be a group to some extent. Mm-hmm. It's a longevity part. So okay, so who else? And then yeah, there's not it's but just I, not as popular. But if you were to ask me, do days. I like the Migos? I wouldn't tell you I would I would you know what I mean? No, like, of course, I, I, I understand. They're clearly the a bigger group than these two, but I actually like both of those groups more than the Migos, to be honest. 
Yeah, of course. I understand. Yeah, that. but I mean, so, clearly, so you what can't other deny the are bigger. Get, what other, yeah, like, man, that we can think um, of right now, current? I mean, yeah, current. And, that, that's and the problem. Hip hop and rap. Niggas don't fuck with each other like that anymore. They just. And if there's oh, a lot of collabs and features. SOB and RBX. Okay, my bad. <laughs> They're a Vallejo uh, group. Okay, they I was were, gonna. No, yeah, from out here, I've heard yeah. of yeah, and I've seen, I've seen, but I don't know them. Not They're that good, them. but they definitely aren't. Yeah, aren't doing what they did. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of groups, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of them these days. Not the same. No. I think it plays respect too, though. Going back to the whole like Beatles thing, you know, you understand the significance of groups like that, and that's where the Migos do sort of have their little mirror image, like they like mm-hmm. to portray of them. The significance is cool because it's like, yeah, it's not easy to make that shit work out. Mm-hmm. Ooh, when you're, when you're it's in the a balance like of personalities that. when money get involved. Usually, like, Ooh, that money, usually it's like a group of very close friends or family. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to have Migos. a tie outside the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that inherently the money is never going to be equal. And that's always going to cause tension. Not even that. When you're in a group, uh, labels and shit will inherently try to turn you against each other. Oh, yeah. You got money out yeah. of it. Yeah. If you guys are on a united facet. front, they can get way more money out of you guys. So yeah. if you don't have people that are sort of like ready and waiting for that and prepared for it and won't fall for it, then, you know. It'll be what like what happened to um you know like a well I know it happens a lot to music groups I don't know about rap groups rap group is probably just ego <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it's, it's gotta be a ego. lot of ego in that room yeah. man yeah. a lot of ego with youth and specifically specifically like rap and you know things that encourage hyper masculinity <laughs> yeah cooler heads don't well often yeah I, I think the unfortunate run. byproduct is is that the overarching culture promotes toxic masculinity so. Every you know, it, it, you could go anywhere and find it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's rap, country, uh, you can go sports, yeah. <laughs> everywhere in entertainment. The yeah. casting couch, like it's just <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, the casting couch is is the byproduct of a hyper masculine environment. Like, there's clearly not a lot of women in power when it's a known quantity that young women get fucked for roles like that's crazy talk right yeah like it's toxic it's bad and so yeah you're right it's not it happens in rap and it's everywhere it's a part of the prevailing society and unfortunately it in in the hip-hop industry it it expresses itself as the inability of people to work together um and even in podcasts yeah you know (laughs) bro in the past two weeks i've been talking about like various podcasts that i love that are breaking up and yeah, it's just yeah. like yeah you know man toxic whether it's toxic masculinity or just toxic uh toxic relationship dynamics in general but yeah yeah you could call it those couple of things and look i think there's a couple of different ways to look at it nowadays there's a complaint and it's pretty obvious that hip-hop and rap is changing becoming softer in a way it wasn't the same as back in the day but on the other hand what you do get is a lot more collabs and people are working together and people are out here supporting each other they are out here just trying to get money and you see a lot of artists moving like that and working together and shouting each other well, out. what i love to see in atlanta is that you get a lot of the um you get a lot of the individualism, yeah. But there's still a lot of collaboration, exactly. and that I'm not yeah, mad stuff at. Like that, yeah, that I could fuck with. That's good. I'm cool Those with your individuality things. as long as you have a collaborative spirit. But if you're yeah. gonna be an, if you're gonna be individualist and exploitative, <laughs> then I can't fuck with you, bro. Like, yeah. like, and that's and and that's what we need to work towards. It's like if we're not gonna all be part of one big group, let's at least be collaborative. Yeah, you know what I mean, and not uh competitive. Yeah, all the time, because compa- you know. Competition is a zero sum game, and we all got to share in this this shit in the in any industry, whether it's the rap industry or otherwise. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know how I got off on that side side note, but yeah, uh, I thought that that was really interesting, and and I've been um mulling over in my head like I think Freddie Gibbs is may might not be the one who started, but is. Definitely, I think the person who is maximally utilizing this new, this new resurgence of single producer albums, okay. because yeah. there was a there was a time, a significant amount of time, when you were not getting single producer albums. Yeah. Decade, I think that we had a solid decade of rap without good single producer albums. Not that they didn't exist, but they just weren't the quality. Like. The, they they weren't being marketed. They weren't the 
they weren't the level that we needed. And I'm not sure who started it, but Freddie Gibbs is riding that wave like the big kahuna, bro. <laughs> that shit is amazing, bro. Because his run right now, he can't, he hasn't missed. He really hasn't. He, like, check out his features. I mean, I know he might not be everyone's cup of tea in terms of, like, oh, I love his style of rap. Yeah. But he puts out good music. <laughs> like, when it comes, like, he did an al- uh, album with Mad Lib. And say what you want about Freddie, but the album was masterfully composed. Mad Lib took that nigga to another level. Then he did Alfredo with um with Alchemist. Yeah. And Alchemist put his <laughs> veteran fucking four I don't know. I think Alchemist <laughs> has been in the game for like two or three decades. Yeah, yeah. Like he is a veteran of the yeah. game. And That's accurate. it came to bear with, with with Freddie's old school style and it really works. When you know is what I mean? Alfredo from what year? 2019? I think I talked about this one in the podcast before is like his Tyler the Creator feature was was stupid. It was it was nice. amazing. It was it was just a melding of two styles that that shouldn't have been able to be put together, but between the two rappers doing a great job and then Alchemist on the beat, it was it was absurd. It it was just a masterfully masterfully crafted song. And so um yeah, it just Freddie Gibbs has really been riding that wave. But that's not to say that there aren't um, other producers that are doing it really big right now on that, you know, building up that wave. Because while Freddie is the rapper, there's other producers, as I said, Alchemist, Mad Lib, and Hit Boy. Because Hit Boy, Hit Boy's 2020 was probably, I think, one of the biggest 20. I think if I had to say who had the biggest 2020, it would have been Hit Boy. Nice. Honestly. Yeah. Because... He had multiple albums drop and multiple singles drop and multiple features drop. Nice. As an artist, like Hip Boy, yeah, mm. my man, he's not he's not to be trifled with. He had a great 2020 and um I love that he he main bills himself as a producer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and with no real ad lib, no real drop member cuz I referenced him and he, like I, I mean, he's got a couple, but they're really organic. Like exactly. they don't really stick out Nothing of the, that really the songs. Stands out, so that's yeah, interesting. No, it's not like um, Blizzard on that beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you look at his uh, his work that he's done. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it. yo! And, and and you know what? I think it's because Hit he's boy. done work. He's done work for people like Beyonce, and you're not gonna fucking tag Beyonce's song. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He's, he works with such big artists that yeah. it would kind of be rude. You know what I mean? Not to say yeah. that he's not as big as them. It's just, nah, we're, you know what I mean? Like, it's not my song. It's our song. Yeah. You know, you usually tag it when it's your song. You yeah. want to let them know Sometimes that. Sometimes you fit to mold the other person's aesthetic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When he when he produced for Lemonade, you think that he's going to put his tag on Lemonade? <laughs> I'm just saying, like you're just not. Gonna, you could try that, and Beyonce could laugh you at try you. Try it, you know what I mean? But I don't think it's gonna fly. But yeah, dude, I don't know. I've just been getting deep in my music bag lately, and I wanted to bring up all those little things that I've been mulling over. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on those. Well, you know, we talked about what how much I know about them before the show too, right before shooting this one. So, you know, I have respect for people like Freddie Gibbs. I've heard his snippets here and there and mm-hmm. little parts of his lyrics. I'm not too familiar with them though as an overall thing. So, you know, it's something I'm willing to I'll give him the time of day and I will check his oh stuff. Oh my goodness. Out. He was on a track he was on a track with Snoop Dogg and um Problem. Yeah, yeah, problem. Okay. Uh, called Don't Be Mad at Me. You got to watch the yeah. video, though. Okay. That, you got to watch the and, video. And, and I think that that's one thing that I love about Freddie Gibbs is that a lot of his videos follow this narrative arc where he builds himself up as just, like, this asshole. <laughs> like, he's not the bad guy. He's just the asshole. Huh. Like, at yeah. this one point, he has a he has a horse farm in this in Crime Pays. He's running this horse farm, and he's just being a dick boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know why we got you over here shoveling shit? Cause you shit at your job, <laughs> just doing, just saying mean shit to people. Um, nice. in uh, in goddamn, 
he he's the uh, the shitty uh, band leader where he's constantly changing the name of the group without telling anybody and firing people from the band, just doing goofy shit. But yes. um, don't be mad at me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just playing this over aggressive boyfriend, and it's fucking hilarious. Like it's so clearly over the top, and Snoop is over there looking at him like this nigga act like this all the time. Nice. Well, yeah. yeah, noted. I'm definitely gonna check his stuff out. And obviously, I know people like Alchemist, so that's where the oh, bridge I mean, meets the name Lib, there I is. Hear, I want to hear what it sounded like. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Alchemist did the food villain, and that shit was fresh too. Mm-hmm. That was a great beat album. Yeah. But um, yeah. Moving on from that, let's go into uh, some more serious topics. So um, I was uh following a story recently, which where uh, Dr. Cornell West was go- up for tenure at Harvard. And he was denied tenure. And I don't believe they were released as to why, but I'm pretty sure it's because of his support of the boycott, divest, sanction movement against Israel. And uh, that shit's fucked up. But that's the problem when you work at these historically white supremacist institutions. Like, we cannot, we can't get away from the fact that Harvard was not only established, but maintains. Uh, uh, an endowment that originates from slave funds. You know what I mean? Like, and you, and he works for this institution and I'm not exactly sure why he figured that they had any particular love or respect for him. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like I love Dr. West to death, but unfortunately because he seats most of his revolutionary ideology in his theology they already don't view him as a threat. Sure. Unfortunately, in my opinion, and I'm not going to disrespect <laughs> anyone's religion, it's just, just just my opinion, Western Christian theology is mainly used to control minority populations. It's not a, a, a genuine religion meant to, to, to uplift them. It's usually there to teach them to like be subservient, Give on to Caesar what is Caesar's. Turn the other cheek. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. you know, uh, obey the slave master. I don't shit. understand how you could. It's see mostly it that way. made to disenfranchise people psychologically. Yeah, I could see how. You could and see so, that. if he chooses to to participate in revolutionary uh, uh, black ideology, that's one thing. But if you seed it in something that they have already constructed to disenfranchise oppressed people then they have no problem with elevating you and giving you publicity and doing all those things and and that's sad because i don't want that to dis uh discount dr cornell west's genuinely revolutionary soul and and the great person that he is but unfortunately yeah he he's attempting to participate in 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 institutions and structures that remain mainly designed to disenfranchise him and i don't know that that sucks and i and i feel like we got to get away from this theology issue like unfortunately religion has done more to probably hold back you know genuine black revolutionary thought and just entertain people in their poverty because they do a lot of charity. A lot of charity work is done through through religious organizations. So I don't want to discredit that. They do a ton of material good in people's lives. Yeah. But they never challenge the system that causes them to have shitty lives. And while yes, a certain amount of why people have bad, you know, poor outcomes in their lives is personal decisions, a significant amount of it is that the deck is stacked against them. Moreover, there are safety nets provided to parts of society and not provided to others. Mm-hmm. And that's and and that's the kind of incongruency that is perpetuated by the institutions that Cornell West seeks to validate himself from. And that, and that's I find that to be vaguely problematic. Yeah. Not him as a person. Just the the implications of of how he moves. Yeah, it's conflicting for him. Then. It does seem a bit, you know what I mean? And and I don't know. I I just wanted to 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 toss that out there, see if there was, see if you had any thoughts on that. On well, even the like to go back to what it's 
because of. You're saying that's related to him. Uh, what with the sanctions supporting and, boycott, divest, sanction movement against Israel for war crimes. Yeah. Okay. So to get into that a little bit, then we're talking about him making that decision, and from there, that's what his result is. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was the the step too far because yeah. I mean he's always spoke out against criminal injustices. So that goes into bigotry. our relation with Israel and what specifically? Where is he at? Harvard. He's at Harvard, I believe. So their relationship with Israel. He's a tenured, or he's a professor there. He's not tenured. He's a professor of theology. Yeah. And, you know, essentially our ties with Israel. Uh, You know, well, Israel has huge ties with Harvard. Yeah. There you go. So, you know, yeah, it's not even that surprising then in that sense. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised with that one. Yeah. He's, I'm surprised they didn't do it earlier. Because it's been years since he supported this movement. Mm-hmm. So for them... And, and it's not like they're taking direct action against him. They're just denying him a tenure yeah, position. Yeah, they him tenure. So, you know, I'm not sure if it's directly involved with that. But it seems odd that given Cornell West's uh, notoriety in his field, that yeah. he wouldn't be provided tenure. I mean, <laughs> dude... He is probably rated very highly among his peers yeah. of theologians. Yeah. I don't, know, man. I don't know if he's got the experience for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, really? I mean, ah, that's crazy. I mean, I know that you said that sarcastically, but <laughs> I, I, you said it sarcastically, but I know there's a dickhead out there saying that seriously. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. There's some dickhead out there saying that somebody in the room seriously. said that. Uh, but yeah, moving on from that and other... Uh, News with black intellectuals. Noted psychologists, Columbia professor, and anti-drug activist Carl Hart wrote in his most recent book that he has uh, maintained his healthy work-life balance through daily use of heroin. (laughs) My nigga. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I mean, now, yo, I was just watching Chappelle's show today. I don't, I don't know why, but that reminds me of Tyrell Biggins, bro. He's the heroin Tyrell Biggins, bro. Well, the thing is, is that he's he. he, That's my for a significant portion. Know my secret heroin. Well, for a significant portion of his career, he did drug addiction counseling. And so Fucking it's hypocrite. of course well, can't make that's that the up. Thing. Okay. I can't trust you. You're okay. an enemy to drugs. Firstly, I'm gonna start this conversation with don't do heroin. Definitely not. Definitely. Please don't do heroin. Not recommended. Definitely I don't recommend not. heroin. If you need something to maintain your daily work life balance, there are many things you can do, including exercise and a whole slew of other things. Uh, uh, you know, that can occupy your your mind and help you maintain a healthy work life balance outside of heroin. It's not for anybody. Yo, this dude it's actually built heroin as a positive in his book. Not only did he build heroin as a positive, but he believes it should be legalized and that more people <laughs> should <laughs> should become Yo, functional. He's still high, bro. He's still, he's no, still and, high and, right and, now. and 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 this is the problem that I had with his statements is that he even went. In his advocacy for this, he went on to also note that he identifies himself as an addict and that he can't go more than 18 hours without feeling Nigga, withdrawal I can't systems. can't trust nothing you're saying, bro. And so, I... How much of it is he using? I have matter. no fucking clue. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. Thank you. Doesn't that, matter. That, it doesn't matter. An addict is an addict you have until to, they stop That means that he addict. cannot go a full day without using it twice. Yeah. 18 no, hours like, means twice in a day. Know. I would like to unpack that a little bit. Like, I wish that we did have the details there, but... You well, know, the they're fact in his that book. No, guy, he detailed it. We yeah. have the details. I just didn't care to delve deep into them oh, because, unfortunately, yeah. what I won't do is entertain the idea that we should promote the use of addictive substances yeah. that can kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's an argument that cannabis can be addictive, but cannabis will never kill you. No one's ever died from cannabis, ever. Not once. And so I don't mind saying that 
Yeah, I if wonder... you have the behavioral issue of becoming addicted to things, you, there's way worse things than cannabis to be addicted to. Yeah, you know what I mean? on the heroin topic, but heroin—I like, don't know a whole lot about problematic. it in the first place because it's not my kind of drug, right? I think for most people, it's not the kind of thing that you would be interested in because you're probably not interested in doing it. You recognize it's a hard drug; it's crazy. So unless you really have to have some kind of experience with it related to your work or related to maybe people that you know, you probably don't know a whole bunch of, a whole bunch about heroin in the first place. From what I have kind of seen and understand about it too, though, it can make you really like. Uh, Sort of like sluggish or like out of it, let's say. Well, he like, doesn't use it while he works. Okay. He only uses it after hours. There you go. He doesn't use it on the clock, so, and he uses it to unwind from work. There you go. Okay. Yeah, because it's like you're not really functional. It doesn't seem like something you can function. Like, yeah. like, like, you know, you can have a functional Coke user, but I don't know if you can have a functional heroin user. Yeah, don't. Because like, like when that. you're using heroin, so, you're so, no longer functioning. So his was functional, but it but was But I know people who go to work on Coke work. and do great jobs. Yeah, and that's different. I'm not saying that you should do that. Exactly. I'm just saying that I've seen it. It's different in regards to the drug itself. Yeah, so, yeah and I also don't are. believe that you should use cocaine to maintain your work-life balance either. Like, yeah. okay, so as you said, there's tons to unpack here. So I started this with saying don't do heroin because... There is a greater discussion to be had because he has a great point about our ability to to affect our psychology with substances. This is a very high level of gastronomy that is hu- unique to humans mm-hmm. and one that we should utilize uh, very responsibly because it could help us to great effect in our increasingly more stressful environments. Yeah. or it could cause us to become heroin addicts. (laughs) And so we want to be responsible with our platforms and not endorse heroin use. Also, this guy is like incredibly lucky, right? Because heroin can kill you super easily. Hmm. The fact that he's been using it like for that long to quote unquote maintain a life balance. See, the thing is, is that he's he's never used it for depression. Unfortunately, the dangerous part about using heroin is when you use it for depression, because that's when you run the risk of using too much at one time. He he uses it like it's routine, like it's regimented, (laughs) like he never uses never uses more than a certain amount at a time because he understands that he has a tolerance. He has there's a certain amount that is lethal. You know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. And 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 I and that is a discussion to be had is the responsible use of. Uh, mind-altering chemicals now yeah. what we should not do is promote the use of anything that is hi- highly addictive like heroin especially because the when it when it's something that like can go haywire if you abuse it during depression you're more likely to use it during depression so you don't want to put people in that position to make poor decisions when they're at their lowest Especially you know seeing I mean? that it helps you maintain a work-life balance. Like, that's the exactly exact opposite of what heroin does. You <laughs> yeah, might be able to and, do, and use so it to do that. It's so weird. Like that's such a weird. Like you he, yourself. Might if be you able said to cannabis, I and it's not just because I smoke cannabis. Because I even regiment my own cannabis consumption. Like Carolina will tell you, I routinely every other month, like yo, I'm not smoking for a week because I just need to make sure that I don't, I might, I drop my tolerance. I don't, I, and I don't want to abuse it. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't want to abuse my lungs. You know what I mean? I want to give my lungs moments to to recuperate. When I do smoke, I don't abuse, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, the fact that I cough still is a good thing. That means that my my lung, t- my my throat tissue is still paused, supple, mm-hmm. and, and not scarified. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't abuse your body is my whole point. You know, mm-hmm. like, so, yes, the discussion about, regimented use of mind-altering substances is a great discussion to be had but let's not have that discussion with heroin you know what i mean like am am i weird for saying that well no i think in general like let's say even you know that can be relative to where you grew up and you know what's around you but for people and see for me real quick let me interject i thought that he grew up during the heroin era so he had that perspective yeah he only started using heroin like seven years ago. Hmm. <laughs> so how he, sweet, we man. knew how, how bad sweet. heroin was. We saw heroin ravage communities through the 70s and the 2000s. Yeah. Hello, the, the opioid epidemic is a heroin crisis, if anyone didn't know. Yeah, still if anybody heroin. didn't realize, the opioid epidemic is a heroin crisis. That is the same thing. Yeah. Opioids are heroin. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, so, he saw two heroin crises in his lifetime and still decided to become a recreational heroin user and then write a book about it. Like, I don't know, man. I think that that's weird. To be fair, that that's probably the most productive heroin user I've ever yeah, heard. <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could get... He's definitely Well, not for nothing. Though. The thing is, is that you would never hear from a productive heroin user because yeah. they're productive and they understand enough that their heroin use is taboo, so they don't talk <laughs> yeah, about it. Sure. Sure. You nice. know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. they're being, them being productive, you automatically would just assume that they're... Oh, they're just tired. Or they're just... <laughs> Just droopy. Yeah. But that's why I used to go into all of my, my job interviews high. Because I want yeah. that to be my baseline. Like, yeah. I want you guys to hear me articulate myself high. So yeah. you think that that's just me. And if you hire me like that, then shit. You're in. I'm good, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a good <laughs> it's not uncommon, I don't think. Look stoner. I'm actually really good at interviews, man. I've never... Yeah. I've actually gotten every job I've ever been asked nice. to interview for. Congrats. That's good. Little... Yeah, you know what? Weird flex, but okay. Not to diverse too much on that, but it does remind me of it. Like, I've heard it. There's a pretty good, it's like Vice did short coverage on this, I believe it was Vice somebody, of like an old skateboarder. And he's known as being like sort of the best known professional that was also an alcoholic. And they point out how, you know, a lot of times that can be an issue with people who are in that environment Is of he skateboarding. Sober now? I I would imagine so, yeah. I I would almost have to. I would it'd be easy for me to assume that he is now. Dustin Dolan is the skateboarder. Oh name. yeah, yeah. He's sober I'm now. Sure he's sober now. I know exactly what you're talking about. about. Yeah, you're actually now. amazing. But so yeah, he is like you know he gets sort of one of those credits, but it's they consider him an anomaly, you know, because yeah, it can be common that that's how skateboarders fall off. They get caught up, and then generally you're never gonna be better if you're drinking alcohol. It's gonna make you worse. And, and I can imagine so, like some of those tricks you can't do drunk. You just of course. can't do them And so, yeah. And so that's the the general idea, whether it's that you can't do a drunk or that drinking will then affect your ability to be able to skate. You know, they conflict with you. You're hungover, yeah. so you can't go skate the next morning. Shit like that, right? So so it, that that was interesting. And again, as far as like make the comparison part of somebody who did, drunk who did actually make right. it work, they were functioning and they could do it. But again, it was still not... He goes back to them, point out how it was still not right of them. But he also might have had up. other issues other than alcoholism. Yeah, and it might not yeah. have been, he might not have been an alcoholic. He could have just had other life issues. And when those got straightened out, the alcoholism, he was able to work out of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the fact that he was able to maintain that was pretty, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. I um, mean, there's like a I've seen a Netflix documentary from it came out about a year ago. I think things got derailed because of COVID, and now it's been like, Ouch. where are we? So it might have been as many as two years ago, but this is one that I'm sure not many people saw it come out. It was kind of on the homepage, but it was about a chemist who worked for the Boston, some kind of Boston police department. And she would through the years from around like 2003 yeah, to, yeah, you guys talked about her before. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, she was in there. She was using the purest fucking form too, yo. White privilege, so man. She was White privilege. She got that puro for quite yo, a while. She, she was her. That's what she named her coke. White. Yes. Yes. What was it called? Do you guys remember what it was called? Uh, uh, how, the how to make uh, some shit? drug scandal? How to sell a drug scandal? Something, like something okay. Something like related to you can find it if you search like that on Netflix. Related to drug scandal. Oh yeah, we talked about it on the show. So okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking of with with that with the topic. But oh yeah, she was a functional can, meth user because she was using meth. Yeah, hard drugs like meth that, actually so. has. A, I've actually known a few functional meth users. Yeah, um, and because that is still, I just in never the, like heroin is just not one of those. That's rec- the opposite. The energy yeah, yeah. is still gives you I know energy. functional yeah, exactly. coke users. Yeah. I know. I know a lot of functional potheads. They function too well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, function. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, function. No, I'm joking. It's the difference between <laughs> That's a total different and function hours, and well. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude. Like, no, nah, I don't know. It's just weird yeah. because I just thought that there was better ways for him to make that case. Maybe you know what I mean? Because he did say that he likes to use MDMA and meth, both mm. of which MDMA you can't use and function, but <laughs> meth mm. I can understand. Like, if he would have made that. I would argument. have preferred he not make the case at all, but you know. True. Yeah. No, I mean, but no, I think I, I think he start he started a good argument. Mm-hmm. I think there is a good argument to had to be had about how to responsibly uh utilize chemicals or substances to to unwind for, for human leisure, for things other than you know, sustenance. Yeah. We can't we can do that. I don't know if we should do that, My but I think it's part of the conversation. That varies drastically based mm. on the chemical. Yeah. What about psychedelics? Or the, or the, or the preparation. Like, I don't, I'm sorry? 
And I was like, where do you sit out psychedelics then on that topic? I don't, I, I believe that you could put whatever the fuck you want into your body. I genuinely yeah. don't care. If you want to drink turpentine, that's your choice. Please don't drink turpentine. <laughs> but if you choose to, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, should, as a personal point of responsibility, if you're going to take psychedelics, you probably should stay out of public. Me personally, yeah. I that's just my opinion. Yeah. Because it could go terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've seen it go terribly wrong for people using psychedelics yeah, in yeah, public. Yeah. And so just as a point, don't ruin your own trip. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy it. Um, Controlled environments. Yeah. That's what they're good. There that's are other drugs that, that you, there's a wide range of environments you can do. Like I yeah. have yet to meet a, a uh, scenario in which I couldn't encounter it after smoking a blunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I, like there's nothing I can't do after smoking a blunt. I, that's not the same for everyone, yeah. and I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. But that's why I, I would say you can consume whatever you want. Just be personally responsible for your actions. Yeah, you know, uh, I would be a lot less judgmental of somebody who was maybe smoking cannabis, um, and then maybe and then trying to be social, than I would be with somebody who is using any of the other hard drugs, which yeah. is every other drug. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I and and you know the conversation I think is important to be had because we got to talk about what chemicals are okay to be taking. You know what I mean? Like, is he saying special K is is okay to take because that's similar effects to ketamine, uh, uh, to to heroin? Special K's? Yeah, ketamine. No, that's what ketamine. Is. Yeah, it, yeah, it's uh, it's similar to heroin. I've never heard anyone. You call shouldn't it take it. K's, yeah, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I usually. But hear so those where are we drawing the line? You know what I mean, and that's why I would have preferred him not to use heroin. Yeah, because that that draws the line way farther than I want to draw it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you know, you do, do we want to classify nicotine as one of those kind of drugs? You know what I mean? Like we, it's a conversation to be had. That's very. That's one that's like, eh, it's like a baby step. Yeah, when it comes to substance use, mm-hmm. but then you know you have harder things and 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 i'm not saying that i'm the one to have this discuss this discussion i'm just saying it's a healthy discussion to have especially if you have kids yeah especially if you have kids because they're gonna ask kids. yeah they're gonna hacks and you want to be able to have an intelligent conversation with them not just either a indoctrinate them with what you believe or b be completely evasive of the topic you yeah. don't want i don't think that those are the two healthy options yeah but that's just me yeah more more topics for another day yeah. yeah but yeah i think that uh we got some meat off of the bones there i think we we had a good one we'll go ahead and we'll wrap on that topic yeah. uh you got anything to plug this time <sighs> no i don't <laughs> it's all good I, <laughs> you just come for the I'm conversation i appreciate here. it you don't yeah. come here to plug your shit you come yeah. here to talk yeah. with us and i appreciate that that's great Thank that's you. what's up because, yes no i'm just out here i don't have shit to promote like that <laughs> If anything, I am overall an anti-promotion like that. I've never really, I you know, respect to people that where it works out for you, and obviously it's understood how you have to do that for certain businesses and aspects. But not somebody who's big on the whole uh, promotion and all this kind of stuff. So, well, I'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna self-promote. There we go. Follow us on the Let's social media. The podcast. I like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can follow us on the social medias uh, on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast and Twitter at Home Heron and at Curry underscore T. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Rico underscore G Sound. And I'm on Instagram as well. Hit me up at Tyler without the E Perez. That's what's up. And I'll leave you with these words. Time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a great one. Peace. Take it easy. Peace out, guys.